When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It is another Market Down Monday. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com, along with Doug Lamery, Stephen Means on vacation, so he will miss out on his big declaration for this week. But this is a week for us to talk about the Ohio State football schedule, a week, uh, you know, what, where it's been and where it's going. Uh, this week we're marking down when we think Ohio State will lose another non-conference regular season game. Every time this, the schedule comes out, every time there's a schedule announcement, I feel like these are the things that fans want to know about. They want to know who are the big games coming up. They know every year there's going to be a throwaway game. They know every year there's going to be kind of a mid-tier game, but a game where Ohio State should still have a big edge. And then who's that third game? When Ohio State adds that third game in a given year that is sort of the game that not only is a big deal, I think, for Ohio State fans, but potentially has a, a chance to draw a lot of eyes around the country. Doug, you, obviously you've been doing this for a while. Like, wh- How important do you think – these big marquee non-conference games are for the average fan? Like how, how badly do they feel like they, they need to have a game like that on the schedule and a game like that on the home schedule probably at least every other year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the second most important game on the schedule every year after the Michigan game. I think it's something I get excited about it. And I, I know fans get excited about it. You get excited when you look a couple of years ahead and say, oh, who's it going to be? Like, I wonder how good they'll be when Ohio State plays them. And now there was a time, Nathan, when we discussed this a lot of like, is it smart for Ohio State to do this? Well, they keep doing it. Like Gene Smith, very much philosophically. And again, I think we talked about it on the 2005 Ohio State, Texas retalkables. Gene Smith, a new athletic director, had been in the job like a year at that point was on the sideline, young Gene. Gene has aged well, though. I mean, Gene, like, nothing against young Gene, but, like, it's, it's, it's 16 years later, and Gene looks pretty much the same. He's, he's been around a long time and looks uh, like a vigorous young man. They're interviewing Gene Smith on the sideline about, like, hey, isn't this awesome? Texas is here in Ohio Stadium. And he's like, yeah, we're going to keep doing this. And, like, he has been true to that word. It's, it's something he wanted to do. And, again, they've done it before. You know, you go back pre-Gene. It's not only Gene, but, you know, 
UCLA and North Carolina State, and, you know, I'm losing. It, they had done it, but they really, it has been awesome. And I think in the 12-team playoff world, you know, some things are going to change with college sports. And I do think the outcomes of some of these non-conference games in a 12-team playoff world will matter less because you can lose and be okay. But I don't think going into the game that they will be that much lessened because they're just freaking awesome. Like, it's just fun. It's just fun to play a team you don't normally play. And the rest of college football, I mean, you know, you, you play basically the same teams all the time. So when I think about the teams they've played since I've been here, since 2005, it is just an awesome list. And it's, it's great that it's going to continue. But I think it is an absolutely vital part of Ohio State football. And honestly, in 2019, they didn't play one. Because that was the year they switched the 18-19 TCU series to – they made it not a home-and-home. Home, they did it as a one-off in Dallas, right, in 2018. And then in 19, they played Florida Atlantic, Cincinnati, and somebody else. But, like, it's like Cincinnati was the best game. And they blew Cincinnati off the field, even though Cincinnati's a good program. And I think you felt it. There felt like there was a hole, kind of like a – in the non-conference schedule that year. You were here for that. There wasn't any juice to it. Absolutely. I remember that even after that Cincinnati game, that was the first indication we had. Everybody knows going into that season, there were doubts, the varying amounts of doubts. There were people who you know, thought that, that this might not quite yet be a playoff team or would have to really fight to get there. There were people who thought they would go nine and three, for example. Like there was a wide range of opinions in there. And I don't think coming I don't, out I don't of those, remember. So I don't think, I mean, not nine and three. I don't think anyone said nine and three. That would be insane. I know that that sounds ludicrous now, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I heard that. I, I think my, again, I was just coming on to the, the, the beat at that time, but I didn't still, I feel like have a good perspective on how good this team was yet. And I think I might have, if you had swapped out one of those early non-conference games for someone better. And again, but in retrospect, the Cincinnati game, almost looks like that because of what Cincinnati has looked like the last couple of years outside of that Ohio state game, that actually kind of was a game like the, the, playing Cincinnati at home was better than playing a, a, a lesser power five at home. I just don't know if we knew that quite yet at the time. And it took, I think just longer into the season for that recollection or that, that for us to recognize how great that team was. And listen, you can get tricked in the non-conference too. Like, you can play a traditional national power that you think is like, ooh, this is going to be a test. As we talked, like, Alabama's great at this. They play a big-name team that actually stinks. And it's like you get to the end of the year, and it's like, hey, Ohio, Alabama got credit for that, like, top 15 win in the first two weekends of the season. Then we got to the end of the year, and the team they beat was 7-6. and six. And it was like, oh, that actually meant nothing. But meanwhile, Alabama was, you know, sucking all the juice out of that win for six weeks in the, in the rankings. So it can trick you. But I still think we would have learned more. To your point, how awesome would it have been? Like, it's like Ryan Day takes over. And it's like, oh, week two, they're playing Clemson. Like, oh, week two, they're playing LSU. Oh, week two, they're playing even Oregon. Yeah. I mean, it's like it just it, – it, it would have been cool. They're playing TCU, as they should have, right? I mean, they're right. playing a, t a, t a program that has been a top 20 program for the last 10 years. And, and it was missing – and it was missing – 
last year. So this is, this is a tough thing about this is that now we've gone two years without a giant non-conference game because the pandemic obviously wiped out the trip to Oregon last year. So Ohio State's getting Oregon week two in Ohio Stadium. It'll be the first time since – and we haven't – and TCU was neutral site. And we've had a lot of conversations about that, Nathan, about should it be neutral site? Should it be home and home? Alabama had been in the neutral site world for a decade. Now Alabama is going to home and home, which is what Ohio State has always done, right? We haven't had the home and home part of this non-conference thing since Oklahoma in 16-17. And guess what? The Oklahoma games in 2016 and 2017, awesome. Absolutely, unbelievably awesome. And important, but just freaking fun. Even, you know, I mean, like, Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma came in here in 2017 and won and tried to plant the flag in the turf, right? I mean, like, Ohio State fans didn't love that. But, man, I remember being geared up for that, right? And a lot of juice back and forth across the country. Oh, the Oklahoma backup quarterback said this about whatever. Oh, they're mad about this. Because, Nick, you know, I just love that stuff. And I think we've all missed it that we haven't had it for several years. I think that non-conference game, the way you know it's a great one is win or lose if that's a game that people are still talking about throughout the season. Like, look at 2019. Those non-conference games Ohio State played that season, they were pretty much erased from memory as soon as they were over in a lot of ways. Maybe not as much for someone like Cincinnati because I think it, it hurt their credibility a little bit that year as to how good maybe they were. But for just in terms of the national college football conversation, the Big Ten football conversation, those games didn't mean anything. Whereas uh, you're talking about Oklahoma, the, the Virginia Tech game in 2014, like those games. And now that's partially because of the outcome, obviously, when Virginia Tech wins that game. But those those games resonate like they, they become a, a part of the season. They aren't just quickly brushed aside. And I think that as much as anything is why they're important. And I think I agree with you. I think they're going to continue to be important in the in the 12 team playoff era too because it's going to be one of the ways by which the all of that is sorted out like the outcome of those games is still going to have it's it's going to have repercussions for potentially both teams whereas now sometimes it doesn't have repercussions on both teams the same way uh, although i i don't think we can deny the fact that they will be at least slightly less important because, I mean, you think about, like, like Oklahoma in 16 and 17. It felt like Ohio State and Oklahoma were, like, playing for a playoff spot, like, right away yeah, at sure. the beginning of the season. And then, like, that kind of turned out to be true, right? As much as the Iowa loss really hurt Ohio State in 2017, the reason it really hurt is because it was their second loss. And if they had had wiggle room because they had beaten Oklahoma, right? Meanwhile, in 2016, that Ohio State team, as we know, is not great. They made the playoff without winning the Big Ten championship, without making the Big Ten championship game. You know how Ohio State made the playoff in 2016 without making the Big Ten championship game? Because they had a road win at Oklahoma. Like, it turned out to be huge, and that hurt Oklahoma's playoff chances. So, like, and, and that's just not – it is not going to be that. I mean, like, we can't – we've talked about the playoff. I like the 12-team playoff. It's not going to be that. Seeding, do you get, get a, do you get a bye? Do you get a home team? That is going to still matter, but that's not nearly the same as we're talking about are you in or out in week two? Not for sure, but quite possibly. So it's going to lessen, but it's still freaking fun. And I do think, I don't know the answer to this. A lot of teams do this, right? A lot of teams do this. But I think Ohio State has been as good as anybody 
about doing the consistent home and home with a variety of non, non-conference national powers, right? Michigan's kind of had the Notre Dame thing here and there. I mean, a lot of the teams have done sort of the every now and then neutral site game, but like Wisconsin doesn't do this like every year on this level, right? Penn State does not do this. Penn State sometimes it's like their non-conference thing. It's like, oh, they're playing Pitt. It's like they have a rival. It's like one good thing here is Ohio State does not have a natural non-conference rival that sucks up a schedule spot the way some Big Ten teams play Notre Dame, the way Penn State and Pitt kind of had a thing for a long time, then it went away. I think they were kindled a little bit. Anyway, Iowa and Iowa State, right? Like Iowa has a big non-conference game every year against the same team, which is great to have another rival, but it takes away, I don't know, Iowa's not playing USC as much as Ohio State is. So it's not going to be as important, but I think it is still going to be fun. And it should be, I think, when people say sometimes like, well, if you, t- if you lessen the importance, the do or die importance of a, of a regular season game, you actually encourage people to schedule more cool games because it's like, well, we can lose and survive. Ohio State's already doing it, but I also wonder, Nathan, if they might do more because we already have a season in a couple of years out where at the moment there's two gigantic games scheduled the same year, right? We've always been skeptical. Is that really going to happen? They've never done that before. But I think it may be the result of the 12-team playoff is that Ohio State will get even more aggressive. And then it's the balance. Well, the result matters a little less, but you might have more cool games. And I think that's a win. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about the non-conference games that they have coming up in the next segment because I think that's fascinating. I do want to look back at, just to make sure we set the stage for people who are participating and picking which time they think Ohio State will lose its next uh, non-conference regular season game. Since 2001, do you know how many non-conference regular season losses they have? So I will say I like to break Ohio State football into eras, right? I mean, there's kind of like kind of everything that came before Woody. Then there's Woody. Then there's kind of that post-Woody Earl Cooper thing that we've talked about. Then there's the when Jim Trestle takes over. And then there's 2005 when I get on the beat. So that, to me, the Doug Maurice era of college football, of Ohio State football, is the one that I often like to reference because, again, I'm like a baby. If I can't see it right in front of my face, I think it doesn't exist. So I did this from 2005 on that's fine there was only one from 2001 through 2004 and that was at ucla in 2001 so and they had the north carolina state like triple overtime against philip rivers stuff that was a little bonkers in there right wasn't that like in 2003 or something again i'm not i'm not as up on that because again if it doesn't directly affect me frankly i have no interest in it sure since 2005, and again, my very first game on the beat was the Texas game that we did on Retalkables in 2005. I do know this, and I was surprised by it. Were you surprised by the numbers? 14 non-conference, big-time non-conference games. No offense to the Mac. I'm talking like the big game. Eight and six. Eight and six. Yeah. I don't – like if I thought about it, it's like, well, I remember like they lost to USC both times. Lost one to Oklahoma, lost one to Texas. There's a Virginia Tech loss, of course. And then there's the weird Miami loss in the lost 2011 season when it was like Miami wasn't good, but like that was when Ohio State did have a quarterback who could throw a ball and stay within the the field of play. So they also lost that game. But I think it has to affect our discussion a little bit, Nathan, because part of me, and when we get into this, is like, well, like the business of like predicting an Ohio State loss is feels like fool's gold to me. It's like, what am I invest? I'm investing in. It's like, 
I don't mean to take shots at cryptocurrency, but again, I don't understand it. So I pretend it doesn't exist, but I thought maybe uh, it was going down. Or I thought I read some headline about like, somebody stole everybody's cryptocurrency money. So like, I, I don't want to invest in that. And if you are a cryptocurrency investor, good luck. I just don't understand it. I just hide my money in $1 bills under my mattress. I mean, like that's, you're not going to change me now. I'm 70 years old. Like, I don't want to invest in an Ohio State loss because it seems, it makes me feel like a lunatic because it's like, on one hand, it makes me feel like, well, they never lose. Why? Like, they just don't lose before the postseason. But then I look at eight and six, and while some of that, like, doesn't really apply to today, some of it does. So it makes me think like, hey, guess what? Sometimes, even when you're good, when you play other good teams and some of those half those games are on the road, sometimes you lose them. So it's a little, it, it made me rethink this a little bit. Like, what did you think looking at your stats of like how often they've lost some of these non-conference games? Well, again, pr perspective is important because yes, eight and six, but take 2011 out of it. That's, uh, as you say, that is kind of an off the wall year to begin with. And then three of those losses came in a five-year span, uh, Texas in 2005, and then losing both halves of the home and home to USC in 2008 and 2009. So starting in 2010, or actually starting after 2012, there have only been two. Starting with the 2012 season going forward, so the past decade, there have only been two. And that was Virginia Tech in 2014 and Oklahoma in 2017. Now, the other thing of that is one of those series was Cal, which like they scheduled Cal, I think, when like Aaron Rodgers was there or something. Right. And then it was like, oh, by the time they got to Cal, it's like, Cal stinks. Like, it's like one of these things is not like the other. Texas, USC, Miami, Virginia Tech, Oklahoma, Cal. Cal sucked. And by the way, Cal like practically won in 2012 in Ohio Stadium because Ohio State was like still figured out. Oh, Cal gave them a game, even though they weren't any good. So you could just also throw out Cal. I, I think maybe the more the more informative way to look at it is, and the Washington thing is a little bit of a one-off because they played Washington earlier. And so like their 2007 Washington game was like a remnant of like the first game had been like five or six years earlier, but the home and homes that were back to back, Texas split USC. They lost both Miami split Cal. They won both Virginia tech split Oklahoma split that like it, it is kind of, I think it's a decent assumption, Nathan, and then TCU one-off neutral site, Ohio State wins. I don't know if we should assume a split. Like, if they're playing a national team that's like a top-10 team, you figure they're going to split. Because, I, 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 like, USC was special. When they played USC in 2008, USC was number one in the country. Ohio State goes out as a team that, that had played in the last two national championship games, but they got Mark Sanchez and Ray Maliuga and, and, Ray Maliuga and, and uh, Clay Matthews, I think. Like, they just they couldn't hang. They couldn't hang. 35 to three. Everybody, Ohio State fans remember that. And then Matt Barkley as a freshman came in in 2009 and won an Ohio Stadium in a low scoring game that Ohio State probably should have won. It's like everybody from USC who was good left and Ohio State still couldn't beat them. But it's like they beat Cal because Cal, they swept Cal because Cal's not good. They got swept by USC because USC was really good. And like, like they pretty much split. So I don't know. Do we just like, I don't know. Should we just assume a split? Like, and now again, we're going to get a weird situation where this Oregon game is going to stand alone for now. They'll get back to a home and home in 10 years, but I don't know a split. And, and actually I think like a split's right. Like to me, that's like, that's this kind of scheduling working, right? That like, and it's, it's funny. It's not even when it 
win at home and lose on the road because both Oklahoma and Virginia Tech, Ohio State lost at home and won on the road. So That was the thing that actually maybe surprised me when I looked back at the results. Like Of these non-conference losses, five of the last seven, so going back to 20, 2005, five of those losses are at home. Texas in 05, USC in 09, or sorry, four of them, four of them. Virginia Tech in 2014 and Oklahoma 2017. Those are all home games. Which has gone into my perspective of like I've often said that I don't think Ohio State's home field advantage is that great compared to when people talk about like home field advantage. Home field advantage isn't do you win at home. Home field advantage is how much better of a team are you at home. And it's like Ohio State's good everywhere. Ohio State would be good on the moon. Ohio State would be good on a high school field in Toledo. Ohio State's good everywhere. I don't think they're extra good at home. And half the time, I think they're better on the road because they all got, they'll get all jacked up. And, like, they're kind of at their best when they think the world's against them. They love – Ohio against the world, I mean, like, they, they love that. That's, they get that in the playoff, right? It's like, when does Ohio State get to act like an underdog, which we've covered ad nauseum on this podcast, Nathan. There are two situations when they get to act like an underdog. One is in the postseason. Because they can spin against Clemson or Bama. We don't get any respect, so right? And the only other time, the only time in the regular season where they can act like an underdog is a road game against a non-conference team like this. Because it is, at the moment, physically impossible for them to be a Big Ten underdog in any situation. But, hey, we got to go to USC. Hey, we got to go to Texas. Hey, we got to go to Oklahoma. I thought for sure they were going to lose in Oklahoma. They were so young in 2016 and that was a great win for that team but like it helps them so yeah i'm not again i i actually think they're better on the road in these games and then it's like oh ohio stadium's so loud it's like i mean the fans get loud but also if you get on ohio state early in ohio stadium the fans will get quiet quick and like that 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 uh, people sitting on their hands that gets spun for the road team pretty quickly sometimes and i've seen it happen Oh, yeah. I mean, go ask athletes at, at any level in any sport, and a lot of them will tell you, like, they love going into road atmospheres like that. It's one thing if it's like a hostile crowd, and if you're playing a great team that gets on you early, then you, you, you are. You're, your back's against the wall. But there are a lot of athletes that get up for those games because that's their one time. I mean, with, you know, whatever team you're talking about, Purdue or uh, Rutgers or Maryland, like, those aren't good examples because they don't actually beat Ohio State. But, like, that's their one chance to ever play in front of crowds like that a lot of times. And they, they definitely get up for it. I think you're right. I mean, the numbers kind of bear it out that um, Ohio State, do you think they need to find a way to, like, more emphasize that road, that, that make it more of a home field advantage? And I think because the only way you really do that, I don't think that's up to the fans. That's up to the teams. I don't know there's anything they could do. I mean, I think sometimes, like, the really large stadiums, it's almost harder to have a home field advantage. When Ohio State talks about, like, I mean, listen, the whiteout, Penn State does a really good job. I mean, the, the more that Ohio State at home can replicate a whiteout and you get everybody wearing, like, the same colors and stuff. But, like, I, can I, I think this is right. I think this is right. I think it is hard for Ohio State players and fans to hate another team as much as other teams hate Ohio State. So it's like one of the like, – like, Penn State does the whiteout for Ohio State. Most of the right. time, like Penn State's not white now. Indiana, <laughs> oh, Hoosiers, oh. it's like it's like you hate Ohio State's the bully. So then when like Ohio State's got a home game and it's like, hey, we're gonna who do we hate? And it's like I don't know, but like 
other people certainly hate you. So hate is a, is a driving force to, I think, help a home field advantage when you hate the visitor. And, and I listen, if, if Oklahoma, the year after Baker Mayfield tried to plant the flag in the turf, if Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma had come back to Ohio Stadium again in 2018, oh my God, it would have been like the greatest home field advantage you've ever seen. But like, that's just not usually the circumstance. So I just don't, and then like Iowa, right? Like Iowa is a great home field advantage because the field is really close to the stands and it feels like they're on top of you. And Wisconsin's a great home field advantage because like the stadium shakes, but it's not 105,000. Sometimes I think the size of Ohio Stadium and that it's not a pit, right? I think Michigan Stadium, when you go down in a hole, Mm -hmm. adds a little something gladiator effect, right? Ohio Stadium is a wonderful stadium. I don't know that it is particularly a place that – and I've heard it – I mean, visitors have said it's loud, it's loud. And I've, I've, I think there have been times when, like, people would dispute this. But it's like part of it is like, well, I'm looking at this, Nathan, right? It's like, well, why do you think Ohio Stadium's had a great home field advantage? It's like, I don't know, because they lost to Texas, Virginia Tech, and Oklahoma at home, and they beat those teams on the road. I mean, that's – the site isn't the only thing, but – I don't know. It didn't help him beat Matt Barkley in 2009 when, like, Matt Barkley didn't even know how to throw football yet. He came into Ohio State and won that game. So what do you want? What, what are we to do? Have those games been night games, by the way? Obviously, I wasn't here for them. But it was like the, the Oklahoma game. The, yeah, the- Texas was at night. USC was at night. Yeah, a lot, I think a lot of them have been at night. I have a terrible memory. I think Oklahoma maybe was not at night. But yeah, a lot of them at night. And again, I, I, I it just, I don't know. It is what it is. It is what it is. That it's just, it's not the number one thing on the list. When Ohio State wins in Ohio Stadium, like home field advantage is very rarely in the top 10 reasons why they win. Like more talent, more talent, more talent, more talent, good coaching, more talent, more talent, more talent, more talent, home field advantage. Like that's how that goes. We're going to take a break here. We're going to come back and look at the non-conference schedule Ohio State has coming up in future years because there are obviously some pretty awesome games coming up over the next decade or so. You're listening to Buckeye Talk. We're back on Buckeye Talk. We are marking down when Ohio State will next lose a non-conference regular season game. I wanted to quickly look at the two big national rivals for Ohio State or the, the two national programs that they're obviously compared to the most. Alabama, Nick Saban in his first year at Alabama lost to Florida State on a neutral field and lost to Louisiana Monroe at home by identical 21-14 scores. You know how many non-conference regular season losses Alabama has since 2007? None. Zero. Now, now, I don't know that they necessarily have consistently scheduled the way that Ohio State does, but there have been some other decent games in there. And as you kind of alluded to before, some of this is a little bit of luck. You schedule these teams a decade out based on them being powers at the time or really strong programs at the time, and sometimes that gets enhanced and sometimes that falls off and they're not the same team that you scheduled and there, there's a little bit of good or bad luck, however you want to look at it, in there. Yeah, well, also, how many of those non-conference games that Alabama won were on the road, were true road games? Right. Like, like practically none. I think they might have had a home-and-home with Penn State, like right at the beginning of Saban that was scheduled before he got there, and then he was like, the heck with this. So it's like, I mean, they're beating all these teams in Georgia and Dallas and wherever else. And it's like, okay, well, you know, again, a di- I mean, Google Nick Saban, diabolical scheduling genius, and you can find out what I thought about this when I wrote it five years ago. This is actually, though, one of the areas we've, we've looked at the, the 12 team, 
the repercussions of the 12 team playoff through a, a very Ohio state lens over the last couple of weeks. I do wonder if this changes some things for the sec in the way that they schedule, because as we've already talked about this perceived sec dominance doesn't play out in the numbers when you apply the new 12 team format to the past seven years and they may see a value in playing more big road games, um, you know, taking the Citadel off their schedule, those sorts of things. There might be – there's less penalty for losing those games going forward for them. They might be in, inclined to switch things up a little bit. But until they have an incentive to do so, maybe not. I mean, George and Clemson are playing this year, yes. right? So that's like a huge one. But I hope so. And it's like one of these things – there's been a lot of discussion about, oh, man, those home games – for seeds five through eight in that first round of a 12-team playoff. It's like, wow, that'll be awesome. You can have – and it's like, you can make those games happen in the non-conference whenever you want to. So if your team – if you are a fan base that is desperate to have a really cool national game on your campus, call your AD and tell him to schedule one. He or she has that ability in their hands right now to make those games happen. And if your school is not doing that, boo on your school. It's their fault, because guess what? I mean, that, you, that tells you exactly, right? Everyone's jacked up for those home games, Nathan. People like these things. Ohio State has done it. To its credit, Ohio State has done it, but we can't assume, I don't, it, not everybody has done it in the same way. Well, it's my other, this is a bit of a tangent, but my other favorite thing is when fans say, um, who cares about the group of five teams? They need to actually go play somebody and beat them. Like, oh, okay, so you're fine. Like, your team should schedule a home-and-home home with Cincinnati. Like, Ohio State should schedule a home-and-home home with Cincinnati and go play at Cincinnati. What, are you crazy? That We would never do that. No way. So, kind of the same thing applies there. Uh, Clemson, as you mentioned, actually they lost – their last non-conference regular season loss was to Georgia in 2014. So, they haven't lost a regular season non-conference game since 2014. Uh, but they were doing it pretty regularly before that, although 2014 was the last year of Clemson not being Clemson. That was the last – they didn't make the first playoff in 2014. They've made it every year since then. I had forgotten that this is how quickly fortunes can turn. There was a long period where Clemson was the Michigan to Ohio State – to South Carolina's Ohio State, if that makes any sense. Although it's not quite it, – it's a non-conference. But they, they played every year, and South Carolina beat them – every year, 2013, 2012, 2011, 2010, 29, like a long losing streak to South Carolina for Clemson. And then now you don't even compare those teams. Those programs are completely different planes in college football. Yeah, that's another example. Like Georgia has it with Georgia Tech. Again, these non-conference rivalries that suck up one of your non-conference spots every year. Like I just, I'm just, I'm glad Ohio State doesn't have that. Yeah, but yes, Clemson has come a long way from like, man, we just can't beat Lou Holtz or whoever the South Carolina, like, oh, if we just could beat Lou Holtz someday, that would be a dream. And then it's like, oh, no, now you're beating Nick Saban. So congratulations, Dabo. You say you're glad that Ohio State doesn't have one of those games that, that like, clogs up the schedule. Is that because one hasn't just naturally occurred? I mean, obviously it has with the Michigan game. They have that in the conference. You're glad that they're not, like, forcing one onto the schedule? or No, just that I, I just think, like, you want to – and now, listen, the Big Ten is going from, like – Eight, went from eight to nine games, right? So they're added, they took away a non-conference opportunity. I just like something different. And so like the more you take away the opportunity for something different it, to be beholden to like another thing that you do every year, 
is like, it's just, it's just not as interesting to me. It's like, you have enough other teams to have rivalries with. I just like, it's just, you know, if clubs in South Carolina, right. They're in-state rivals. Like they should probably be in the same conference then just figure that out. So you don't clog it up with this crap because Clemson's already playing Wake Forest every year or whatever. Right. I mean, I guess that's the real problem. Playing South Carolina every year makes more sense than playing Wake Forest every year, but it's just, it just, you do it less. And at least Ohio state now Ohio state has that sort of rotating max school, but at least they rotate it. I'm glad Ohio state isn't like, well, we've got to play Kent state every year. I mean, it's just, uh, it goes back to the 18, uh, 1880s. Ohio State and Kent State, they used to get in their horse and buggy and they'd go up the road and they'd stop over and they'd camp in a field and then they'd play each other and it'd be a rollicking 3 nothing game. And, hey, we've been doing it for 120 years. We can't do away with the Kent State-Ohio State rivalry. I'd be like, I'm not covering it anymore. I'm not uh, just, just put down a W for Ohio State. But, like, thank God. Because you know how stuff evolves. It's like, oh, well. Ohio Wesleyan, they're only 18 miles up the road from Columbus, and they've been playing since 1906. People are beholden to stupid old stuff. Anyway, they, now I'm ranting. I think they played with an actual pig back then, too. Like, you started the game with an actual pig. At the end of the game, it was just a pig skin. It's, yeah, the, it was the gradual murder of a pig right. over the course of, like, an hour and a half. And listen, I'm not anti-Ohio State playing those schools, like, in 1901. I just don't want them playing them every year now. And you can play them every now and then. It's not every year. So here is who Ohio State is playing in the non-conference schedule in the coming years before we mark this down. Uh, this fall, obviously, people know Oregon comes in on September 11th, followed by Tulsa, followed by Akron. This is like the like prototypical Ohio State non-conference schedule. You get one really good team, a good program, and Oregon is a top 10, top 15 caliber program year in and year out. Tulsa kind of that that middle tier or at least another non-conference game outside the MAC and then you get a MAC school and that's Akron. I mean this is this is the design that Ohio State has put together kind of to a T. And and I wouldn't mind if that I mean Tulsa was like a top 25 team last year. Mm-hmm. So I don't you know that yeah this this I think is the right schedule. I wouldn't mind with that Tulsa gets juiced up a little bit and I don't mind Ohio State playing one MAC team a year. I think it's like your non-conference game. I think Gene Smith has it right. I like it better when they play in-state MAC teams instead of out-of-state MAC teams. It's like keep the money in-state. Ohio State's a state school. If you can play Miami or Ohio or Kent State or Akron or Bowling Green or Toledo, that just makes more sense to me than Eastern Michigan. And that's normally what they've done. I think that's good. I think that one out of 12, I think that's good. But I think you hit on it. This, This schedule this year is an example of how they should do it. You know, when we've done the retalkables, we've commented on this before. I think just this last one we were talking about a little bit. Like, Ohio State, back in the day, did not play those teams very often. Like, it was a lot of times, especially when it was a nine-game Big Ten schedule, you were playing, like, an ACC team and an SEC team or a Pac-12 team often, like the, the, in the, the one we just did uh, where they played UCLA for the second time in the Rose Bowl. And that was it. Like, you were playing, like, major teams, and that was your whole non-conference schedule. And I, I, it's interesting to watch how that has developed over time. And I don't know if the if the the championship structure of college football played a part in that, or if it was just over time people figured out like, hey, hundred thousand people are going to come here anyway. You might as well pay somebody bad to come here and beat them rather than risk a loss. But I, I think I agree with you that if you're going to have non-conference games of that caliber, playing an Ohio Mac school is a, a positive thing for the sport in general. 
And I think that's a, that's an added reason to do it. But there were times like a decade ago where sometimes they'd play two of those teams. And that was like, well, that's not needed. Yeah, no. Um, the other thing that I just want to throw in here that I would love, and I know it's theoretical. I don't know that they'll ever get to it. I would find the reasoning against it. I, I think anything you could say, well, it wouldn't logistically work, would just be wrong. But if they did like they do in basketball, like a, a Big Ten SEC challenge or a Big Ten Big 12 or a Big Ten Pac-12, which might be more logical, where you set, okay, Ohio State's going to have a home game in 2024 and a road game in 2025. But we're not going to determine who you play until like March of that year and we're going to get together we're going to pair everybody up we're going to make the best games we possibly can of similar levels of expected performance based on the rosters at that time and then we'll just make sure everybody gets a home game everybody gets a road game and like i think it would be fun you could move stuff around rather than be like scheduling you know as you said scheduling cal 10 years out because you think hey, but if they get aaron Rodgers again i don't know why I mean, because I just think like, okay, well, you set the hotel rooms, you set the, right? You've got to have a little more plan ahead of time. But if Ohio State knows Pac-12 opponent to be named on the second weekend in September, and then we'll figure it out in March. And if it's Ohio State, it's going to be like the best team in the Pac-12, right? I mean, I just, I don't know why they couldn't do that. And I think actually, then you end up pairing the stuff. It's conference versus conference. You get a little rivalry adds a little juice. Like I'd do that tomorrow if I was a conference commissioner. Yeah. I think the logistics stuff also is, would not be a problem. Like you could tell, you know, if, I'm trying to think of who they, let's say they're doing it with the ACC, like Boston college would know that every other year it needs to reserve a block of rooms for the visiting team that will eventually be coming in. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's not hard to do. They do stuff like that all the time. I'm sure. I think the wrinkle, I like your idea. I think the wrinkle right now would be when would you initiate that? Because people have already started setting schedules, as we're about to see, up through the 2030s or whatever. And it, it, it's all predicated on what they expect to have as far as home road balance sometimes within their conference. And to sync that up across everybody, you'd have to do it at a time in the future. And that could maybe be the weird thing. Like, would you announce today that starting in 2037, the Big Ten and the SEC have this agreement? it would be like no juice to it. You're talking about 15 years out before it would get started. So, but I think creatively somebody could probably do something like that. I think you're right. And I think it would, and maybe that again, as we talk, as we're talking about now, like the 12 team playoff is going to maybe, I think open some things up like that. I mean, if I was the big 10 commissioner, I would just like tell all my teams, all your, all your agreements for major non-conference games, like beyond 2030 are canceled. We'll pay the penalty. The conference will pay the penalty, get you out of them, and we're starting this thing. Because at some point, we got to bite the bullet, right? Because, like, again, what are you going to do? You're scheduled. Well, the problem is you're scheduling games 10 years out. So you, you're trying to solve the problem of scheduling games 10 years out, right? So you can't say, well, the reason we can't solve the problem is because we schedule 10 game, your, games 10 years out. It's like, yeah, I know. You have to draw a line in the sand and bite the bullet one time to make this better thing. So – I would just decree it. I mean, what were you? You're Chancellor Baird, Chancellor Baird, king of the king of the beard. I mean, just just boom, it's done. And if you don't like it, get out, get out of the conference. Chancellor Baird decrees it. Yeah, I mean, well, if I were if I had that kind of unilateral power, I don't know if scheduling would be the first thing I would be doing, but um, yeah, it'd certainly be on the list. Uh, 2022 Ohio State opens a season at home against Notre Dame. 
then plays Arkansas State and Toledo. So again, Mac school, non-conference, or a Mac school, a non-Mac school, and then like national power. And let's move on from, they play a Mac school and a middle tier team. I don't care. Let's just talk about the big time teams they play each year. Sorry, Arkansas State. Uh, and in 2023, they're back at Notre Dame, uh, the fourth game of the year. They open at Indiana that year. So I want to talk about Notre Dame specifically, though, because that would almost be, do you wish they played Notre Dame more often? And could that almost be no. the sort of regional? No, no. Go ahead. Explain No, why. they'd be bogged down just like the rest of the Big Ten is. Notre Dame, to put it politely, can cram it. If you want to have Ohio State as a rival, get the freaking Big Ten. Otherwise, Ohio State will play you like once every 25 years in a home and home. The rest of the time, go cram it. Cram it until you can't cram no more. I mean, like, like that Purdue and Michigan State and Michigan have been beholden to a Notre Dame rivalry over the years so that Notre Dame can feel like it has some kind of foot plant in the Midwest so their only rivals aren't USC and Navy. Cram it till you can't, till the, where the cram don't shine. Like, it's ridiculous. I hate it. Like, I would hate, it would be exactly what I talked about. Oh, well, you know, Ohio State was really going to play some interesting non-conference games against national powers, but instead they've agreed to play Notre Dame six times in the next 10 years. No, zero, less than zero interest. I don't want Notre Dame treated any differently than USC or Texas or Alabama or Clemson. I, I think there is a difference in perspective here, too, because I, I was covering Purdue at the time when they had had a long annual thing like that was a team they played Notre Dame every single year basically for a long time or, or very sporadic or very very routinely and then that got interrupted and for there was going to be a long stretch where they weren't going to play and I think Purdue fans were a little bit bummed about that but because of that relationship that helped them have a national identity by just getting on the field with Notre Dame as regularly as they did and for Ohio State they don't need that they don't need that elevation so I think it is. I think it's good that they're playing. I think that it's good that they're in that rotation of the national, the strong national teams that they play. I think I agree with you though. That I don't think there's a reason to make it an annual thing. Um, but unless unless Notre Dame were to join the Big Ten, which they're not going to do. Cram it. Twenty twenty four at Washington. That's right now the only non conference game on that schedule. So when we get an announcement next. Of, of a schedule update it might be for that 2024 season 2025 is the one that you alluded to before august 30th they open the season against texas second week is open right now and then third week at home against washington so a year where they're going to be playing two marquee national teams like we don't know you can argue that both those teams are top 15 i suppose ish right now both of those teams have the potential though to be like top 10 or higher programs by the time that game is played. I mean, Washington has done something that Texas has not, which is make the playoff. Right. So it feels like Washington still has the ceiling. You know, when, they, when Ohio State yeah. played Washington in 07, it was Jake Locker, I think. It's like Jake Locker wound up being like a top 15 pick at quarterback in the NFL draft. But it was also like they're a tier below Oklahoma, USC, Texas kind of stuff, right? That Like Washington doesn't get me as juiced up as even Oregon – I mean, they're, they're the Wisconsin of the West. So, like, which is good, but, that you know, it's not Oklahoma. So. That, that Texas home and home, I think, is interesting. Um, that's obviously been a, a bit of a national, I guess you wouldn't say rivalry, but there's been a connection there between those programs. And with, with Sarkeesian taking over there, you wonder what they are four or five years down the road. 
Well, when we talked about, I talked about this with Shahan on the, the podcast a couple last week about sort of Ohio Tech. It's like, oh, there's kind of a, uh, what's the link really between Ohio State football and Texas football? And it's like, is it that Ohio State is stealing all the best high school players in Texas? And it's like, yes. And also, is it that Ohio State's offensive coordinator was supposed to fix Texas and he couldn't? And it's like, ah, yes, also that. So it's great. I mean, they are very similar. When you talk about the programs in in the country that are like the most similar to Ohio State football, right? If you did, I mean, people, right? If you did uh, one of those things, like you do like a face recognition thing and it's like you you take a picture of your face and it's actually a Russian trick to get your face. And then they're like, oh, what famous person do you look like? Let's put the algorithm in. And then actually some guy in Russia is like building a 3D model of you and making a robot and stealing your identity. And it's like, hey, hey, I got a little funny Facebook post out of it. If you did facial recognition software and Ohio State put its football face into Facebook and the Russians stole it, and then it was like, what, what other programs are the greatest match? I think it'd be like 92% match, Texas. I think maybe more than anybody. That like as a, like the dominant power in a football crazy state, um, obviously some dissimilarities as well but i i think ohio state probably has more in common with texas than than michigan and and then a lot of other schools they play you know i mean we talked about nebraska a lot but nebraska's on a downturn right it's they don't have the same kind of recruiting base that either ohio state or texas do and they haven't had the recent success so yeah no i love i love i love the texas series and again that was right when i started my first two years in 05 and 06 they were two hugely important games and it was, it was great. And again, now they're back around. I, I, you know, this is probably about right. They played in 05 and 06, and now they're playing in 25 and 26. So it's 20 years apart. I wouldn't mind if Ohio State and Texas played slightly more often than that, but it's a great, it's a great team for the Buckeyes to play. And again, with the way, the way the 12-team playoff is going to unfold, you should see more of these matchups too just you're going to naturally play some of those better teams nationally right now one of the things that i think makes these games such a big draw is it's like oh that's the one time in a 30-year span or whatever that we played texas or you played uh whoever um notre dame i guess in some cases but like now those games could happen more regularly because you have a wider playoff you're going to be making the playoff with different seeds you'll play more of those games in the postseason no, I mean, Ohio State has established a national rivalry with Clemson, and they've never played in the regular season. Like, it's, right. a, it's a postseason-only rivalry, but it's been often enough that, to your point, I think that's only going to increase. But, by the way, we'd love to see Ohio State-Clemson home and home someday. Hope we get that. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of, 27-28, this is the game that people, I think the anticipation is already building. 27, 2027 at home against Alabama, 2028 in Tuscaloosa. I mean, that's – you hope that both of these programs maintain their stature and that that game pays off with, with what it could be at that point. We don't know if Nick Saban will be there. His contract has been extended through that point. We don't know if Ryan day will still be around, but he's because he's obviously gotten off to a strong start here. It's a, it's a long way away, but a, a game that I think people are, as soon as it was announced, there was a bit of a thunderclap in college football. Like that's, that's, I mean, that's the real deal. No, I mean, like I, I, I thought it would never happen. I, I begged for it for like five years and they finally did it. I mean, it's the best of what college football should be and it, it won't cripple either program to lose those games. But the whole point is like, I want to see, I want to see Ohio state roll into Tuscaloosa in a bus. 
And I want to see Alabama's uniforms in Ohio Stadium. It's not just that I want them to play, right? The whole thing of this is the campus experience. I want Ohio State fans to go to Tuscaloosa and have a reason to go and like get to experience what a game day is like down there, right? Even if you just sit in the parking lot, go to Rammer Jammer across the street. And I'd be like, just like, that's, it, it's the best. It's, the, it's what college football does better than anybody else that atmosphere, and when you only make it neutral site or you only rely on the postseason to get these teams to play, you miss out on that. And that's why this stuff is awesome that it's happening. Well, and I think you could argue, and because then that's followed by 2030 and 31, a home and home against Georgia. I think you could argue that for Ohio State to get, not necessarily like any SEC program, but like just to get the, the fans an opportunity to go down there on a Saturday and experience that against almost anyone, whether you, you could be, Tennessee it could be Florida it could be uh Ole Miss like I think there's a lot of like fun atmospheres like that that if they were on this home and home kind of schedule it could be fun for Ohio State fans but it means even more when it's you're talking about the best programs in the country the Alabama's the Georgia's 2032 2033 the last games they have scheduled right now um home and home against Oregon making up for the game that they lost to the pandemic last year and then there's also this Ohio State Boston College series that's kind of floating around right now. It's supposed to be 26, 27. They've moved it. They have not set new dates for that. So we're waiting to find out what that's going to be. So we're going to come back from this break and we will mark it down when Ohio State will next lose a non-conference regular season game. All right, we are wrapping up here on Buckeye Talk on when Ohio State will lose its next regular season non-conference game. We have one text response from the 937 they voted for at Notre Dame 2023. Here's the thing. OSU typically is upset on the road, especially in games they are supposed to win. Oh, 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 oh. I'm not going to I'm not about to finish. Well, I'm, I'm nervous about this answer. I, I barely can let you finish. Go ahead. Well, they were citing the Iowa game in 2017, the Purdue game in 2018. So they were applying that logic from Big Ten games to these non-conference games. But as we talked about before, that isn't necessarily how the non-conference games have gone. So, so finish the thing because that's not the point that I'm, I'm don't like so, about this email. So, this so, text. so I think OSU will be doing very well. Notre Dame is their usual husk of a contender, coasting on that reassurance. The 12 team playoff guarantees OSU entry. They get ambushed in South Bend. It's a close game, but the Irish faithful rain potatoes and celebration and well used couches aren't safe on campus until Notre Dame is upset by Iowa State in the first round of the playoffs. Mark it down. That's from Matthew at Fort Hood. So this is 2023 when Ohio State's going to have the greatest team in college football history. So don't be messing with 2023. Like, that's the incorrect part of that. Now, I thought your part you were going to say is Ohio State gets a little overconfident. They have all these great juniors. Quinn Ewers is rolling. They get upset by Notre Dame. It, it shakes them up, and then they roll the rest of the way and win the national championship as a one-loss team. If that had been the end of that text, I could have lived with it. I, I, I just am advising Ohio State fans, that is not the year – that you want to be messing with. 2023 has a chance. We just did the retalkables about an Ohio State team in 1975 that was stacked and blew it at the end of the year. Don't karma yourself about 2023. I mean, we're asking you to. Hey, when are they going to lose? Hey, Ohio State's so good. What's a good topic? Here's a good one. Let's talk about when they're going to lose, which is not the first time we've done this on Market Down Monday. Don't. Mess with 23. So use your Iowa-Purdue logic how you want to otherwise. But again, that's actually not the application here. 
That's conference stuff. We know you. It's in the middle. You don't get geared up for it. It's weird. That is not what these non-conference games are. These non-conference games are a, a completely different animal. So pick another year. So I think what's interesting is because if you – I agree with you that 2023 is what we're sort of building to right now the way that a couple of years ago they thought they were building to 2019. It doesn't mean they can't be good in the interim. Obviously, making the national championship last year, and we think they're going to be pretty strong again this year. But if you don't think Ohio State's going to lose, for instance, to Oregon at home this year, then I think it really pushes out most likely when you think that loss might come, right? Because I feel like this almost feels like the vulnerable year. This is I thought all along this was maybe the vulnerable year. When we were doing a similar exercise last year, picking when Ohio State would next lose a Big Ten game, I know that Steven and I both picked the Oregon game. I can't remember if you picked that game – or not the Oregon game, the Minnesota game. The season opener at Minnesota, you know, it'd be a first-time quarterback. We thought Minnesota was better at the time than they turned out to be in 2020. So I think we might change that vote now. But it, this just seemed like the vulnerable year, and I, it feels like if if somebody doesn't catch them in this window, they're going to be a tough team to beat for a while. No, I agree with that. I mean, as, as we mark this down, and we can get to the marking it down, I mean, that's the first decision you have because it's like, oh, what's a reasonable thing? It's like, I don't know. How about against a top-10 team when the Ohio State quarterback will be making his second career start in that game? That is, a, that is a heck of a reasonable thing to choose, especially when the other team has, like, the best edge rusher in college football. So, but if you're not picking that, then, then what? And then, and that is the choice. That's why it's a little bit of an interesting conversation. And, and, and listen, I don't, you know, we got to end this podcast. I, uh, I, haven't decided, I haven't decided what I'm going to pick yet. Well, I'll go first then. But, uh, that, but going, that is the interesting choice. And I'm going all the way out to 2026 at Texas for the next time Ohio State loses a regular season non-conference game. Uh, mostly just because I don't think they're going to lose to Oregon this year. I think – I believe in the talent edge that Ohio State has over Oregon right now. Being a home game, I know we've talked about that. It's not necessarily a huge advantage, but I think the fact that it's like a, a noon game is something that helps a little bit with that this year. I think that's not a good thing for Oregon necessarily. So I, I, I like that for a win this year. And I just think Ohio State's going to be too good in 2022 and 23 with the talent that they have crossing in with the talent that's coming in. It, it's building towards something. So then you just start looking for like, when's the next vulnerable game and they should still be, I mean, that talent keeps building for at least through 2024. I think 2024 at Washington is interesting. If they're coming off of a national championship, if they just had a big loss of talent or uh, to the NFL, that sort of thing. But, but Quinn Ewers, you would still be here. If he's the quarterback and he comes here and he's starting in 2022, that would be his third year. You still think that gives them an edge. So I, I'm, I looked at 2026 going on the road at Texas. If Sarkeesian does, you know, gets things going there that maybe by then you're talking four or five years out, they really could have built towards taking things up a tier at Texas. That could be just a really tough road game. So I'm going to follow the same thing, but I'm going to take the home game against Texas in 25. Because we just talked about, like, they lose at home more than they lose on the road. And the Quinn Ewers point is that should be the first year that Quinn Ewers is gone. Right. And that's the opener. So it will be like – it will be exactly where we are right now, which is we expect it will be a home game early in the season against a national power, and Ohio State has a new quarterback. So this year it's going to be – C.J. Stroud or Kamal Court or Jack Miller in week two, that year in 2025, it's going to be 
you know, whatever. Who's the kid that you just talked to who's like the quarterback that likes Justin Fields? You talked to at the recruiting camp, Jaden somebody? Yeah, Jaden Davis. Jaden Davis is going to be like getting ready to make his, his first career start is going to be at home against Texas with, I don't know, is Texas ever going to be good again? But if Texas is good, if they are, it's like, well, who has a chance to have equal talent to Ohio State when they play? Notre Dame? No. Oregon? No. Washington? No. Who's the next team on their schedule that has the chance to have equal talent in the regular season against Ohio State? It's Texas. It's not Michigan. It's not Penn State. It's not anybody in the Big Ten. And it's not Notre Dame. So it's Texas and out the things that come into play, again, thinking they don't always win these home games, new quarterback. If Texas is back, I think we're on the right track with this Texas stuff. Because if you don't pick Texas, then you're waiting until the Alabama series. Our texter survey, the number one answer was at Alabama 2028. Kind of the runaway winner. Got 36% of the vote. Nobody, no other game, more than 13% of the vote. Uh, at Texas 2026, the one I picked, and Alabama at home in 2027 were the runners-up at 13%. And in Oregon this year, 10%. And Texas 2025, the one you picked, 10%. So uh, a lot of people think it is really far out. Like, you know, no earlier than 2025 to be sure. What, do you, what would you call the threat level on the Oregon game right now? I think it has to be, I don't know. Like, I, like I think they're going to win, but I think there's at least like a 35% chance that they lose, right? I think you have to base it on their defense. They have a couple skill guys. They have some running backs. We're doing these top 50 opponents. They have some running backs. They have some receivers. Their quarterback, if it's the Boston College transfer, has at least played college football. Like, he's not as inexperienced at Ohio State, as Ohio State's quarterback. And I do think they have some dudes. I mean, obviously, Kayvon Thibodeau, they have a couple other guys. Noah Sewell is a linebacker. They have some talent, five-star guy. Like, again, they're not – they don't have as much talent as Ohio State, but they have some guys on the field, both sides of the ball, who are as good as Ohio State guys. And, you know, we're basing this all on, well, we think the quarterback will be fine. We'll have to see how camp looks, and we'll have to see how they look. We we might all – I was very curious how many – so 10% picked Oregon. 10% 10% of the people think they're going to lose to Oregon. Let's see how we change our opinion based on what happens on Thursday night in Minnesota. Because if that Ohio State quarterback is like 11 for 26 with two interceptions, it's going to be much higher than 10% by the time we get to week two. I, I, I agree with you there. Real quickly, the I gave an other option. Here were the other answers. Michigan 2023, so somebody who completely didn't understand the, the question. Won't, Big Ten sleeper, Again, don't understand the question. We don't lose. Never, never again. We won't go Bucks. Never, never. So some confident responses from the tech subscribers. We appreciate all of you. Thanks for participating in the survey. 614-350-3315. That's going to wrap up this episode of Buckeye Talk. Come back. Uh, more stuff coming every day this week. We're, we're excited about it. And I hope you are too. For, I'm Nathan Baird. For Doug Lee Maurice, that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.